Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following program is rated TV MALSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. Why am I sweating? Hi, Scout. Hi, babe. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. You lie. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking liar. I think all your kids got me sick. Yeah, probably. <laughs> all these fucking kids all around this house going, Oh, yeah. Andy Scout. Spitting. Andy Scout. Andy spitting. Scout. I told them to stay away from you. They can't. They love you. Man, yeah, I'm sweating from every uh, every am, crevice in I'm my sweat. body. <laughs> you should use that. What's that deodorant that you put on your privates that they they sell now? I see the, in, the ads. What's it called? What's it called? Tooties? Lumi. 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 Speaking of Lumi, there's nothing to do with why <laughs> how I'm introing our guest because, you know, I mean, maybe she uses it. Maybe she doesn't. I don't think she needs it, but maybe she does. Our guest today is actor, author, cook, photographer, fellow East Coaster, pop culture, fucking icon, badass, sexy bitch, and horror fan favorite, Christine Elise McCarthy. Welcome to Talk Scary to Me. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I we haven't what seen don't you in a you while. Do, I swear. I know. She does everything. Work. Yeah. I don't work. <laughs> Same girl preaching, preaching over here. Well, you got to create your own stuff, right? I mean, otherwise, how would we survive creatively? You have to do your own shit and think like COVID for us. Like, that's how we started our show. We're like, COVID, yeah. we couldn't do anything, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't, not like, not like I'm auditioning anyway. No one hires me. Oh, shush. You're auditioning all the time. Shush. Uh, and you just, I, we're just bored. Just needed to, to be creative and flex that muscle and make shit happen on our own. What are you doing right now? What's happening in your life? Uh, Nothing. Um, I, I'm basically just doing the horror show. The horror con circuit is my, that's my primary um, occupation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, me too. I haven't done a movie in a year. I haven't, <laughs> except for Chucky. I haven't done anything in way more than that. I would say I haven't worked on something that wasn't Chucky. Oh, I did the 90210 reboot in 2019. So there was that. But if, jo- if jobs that I did in the 1980s didn't hire me again, I wouldn't have worked in the last maybe five years, six, seven years. Why do you think I don't, that is? Why do you think uh, that is? I'm an old lady. Um, at 58, that's uh, you're totally invisible in this town. Um, do you think and, that's changing, though, thanks to shows like Chucky? No. 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 Um, I don't. And I, I think the business has changed a great deal since, since I got started in the yeah. late 80s. It's an entirely different animal now. 
Um, and there's a lot of things that contribute to the fact to my not being uh, in demand. And I think I sort of when I when I started acting, I was I became an actor because I wanted to be involved in the film industry. Right. And it was the only way I could figure out to get involved that didn't require training skill or talent. So um, <laughs> I just <laughs> tried that and, uh, and it worked. Because I looked really young. I looked, you know, 16. I played 16 for a decade. Story of our lives. <laughs> but, like, oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Cause my but what do you started. think, what do you think has, has, so it seems like for me anyway, like, the business is so different. I started in the late 80s, too, and had most of my success in the 90s. And I feel like there's that was when there were only like five people auditioning with me, the same five girls and the same four or five networks. And, you know, and I would mostly work. I, I would test for Fox mostly because it was like the edgier, rougher, newer, you know, hip, maybe some CBS. But I was never really like the girl next door. No, you're not right. really. I mean, maybe you'll get oh, eh, not so much. We all kind of play similar stuff. Yeah. But I feel like there's so much. There's so much content yeah, that's and what I it is. can't get a fucking audition or job. No. I'll do anything. Yeah. I, I yeah. And I, I, was, I regained my train of thought when I, I wanted to be involved in film and I was, I was very edgy, very always edgy. And, um, and everyone said, oh, you're so going to do well in film because you're so edgy or too edgy for the three network. It wasn't even a Fox, you know, right, really right. barely. And, um, and ironically, or so not ironically, but oddly, I ended up having a, t- a career almost entirely in TV. Um, but TV was sort of hokey and and folksy and tame. And um, and now TV's gotten so TV's where all the great art is being made. Yeah. Films are, are just like blockbusters or you know prestige films that just want to get an Oscar, but there's no real film community anymore right. all the work is in television so all the film actors are fucking taking the jobs right so yeah. like you're, you know you're not getting an audition because nicole kibben got the part before right. you knew it existed so the competition and the same the, the same handful of people are doing all of it and they're doing mm-hmm. the voiceover work yeah. and they're doing the movie work they're just doing everything right um so to be my age and compete i'm competing with jennifer aniston i'm never going to get a job you know right yeah and, yeah and this is not a tiniest violin thing. It is. I mean, but diversity hiring, which I think is long overdue and a fantastic thing, mm-hmm. has also taken a big chunk of work away from old white ladies. Yeah. You know? and, so, and I think that's fantastic. I'm not I'm not like, you know, mad about it, but it's a, simply a fact, too. Yeah, we've gone the other direct extreme other direction. I'd like to be able to find some some sort of middle ground where we can all play in the business. I think it'll come. Well, I you think, think it'll so? come. I think it'll come. I think this is like you know this this sort of change needed to happen. And you know, <laughs> with this world, it's when change happens, it happens fucking fast. Yeah, I think it'll come. I think it just is. We just all need to find like the happy medium of it all. But yeah, it's like discouraging at times. I mean, thank God for conventions. It's the only thing that's allowed me to to survive, you know, in the same the same fan base. We're talking about this yesterday with Jamie Kennedy, like the same fan base that gave us our career are the ones that continue to keep me afloat to be able to do things in the in show business, because if it weren't for them and it wasn't for me, the Halloween franchise, I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing. I don't I, I really don't. But then again, if I didn't have the Halloween franchise, I don't know where my career would have or could have gone. I don't know if it like made a mark that stuck because I, I mean, like you, like you, how many years was it between, you know, uh, Chucky two before you start, you got back into that world? Uh, well, let's do the actual math. I'm not yeah. going to even include the little cameo I did in, um, um, in cult of Chucky. So 
It was uh, 30, 32 years. Wow. wow. Um, and same thing for 90210. I did, I did, you know, Chucky in 89 and 90210 in 91. I guess 90210 came back around a little faster for me than Chucky did. Um, but when you just said what you said about conventions and the fans and stuff, I got my, I, I got sick to my stomach. I got like butterflies sick to my stomach. I'm like, what would I do if I didn't have right. conventions? I really don't know. It's entirely how I make my living. Yeah. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm just grateful that the things on my resume are the stuff that people go to conventions for. And that's right. just dumb luck. You know, right. I always um, say there's no conventions for like terms of endearment. You know, there's no I mean, this is this is yeah. a community, you know, and, and thank there's God no romantic, there's no romantic comedy, um, you know, convention circuit. So um, and, I, you know, I also wish, though, that there had been a convention circuit back when I was on 90210. Mm-hmm. Weren't God. they doing weren't they doing show? Weren't they doing those like mall appearances and shit like that, though? Did you not do any of that? No, I was. I only did a, like ten episodes. I was barely on that show at all. Yeah, but you were fucking yeah, Emily Valentine, like, dude. I just we we um with my fiance. I just like said who we were doing. She was, and he was like, "Oh my god, she was the edgy fucking girl, nine hundred two one zero." Emily Valentine just, did all the trouble. He freaked out. Well, I, I would have, you know, I would. Those appearances were for the regulars in the show. They didn't do them very often, and they were for free. They just show up, and then they'd be a riot, yeah. and people get stampeded, and you know, right. Um, so they didn't do a lot of that. Um, back then it was like Star Trek conventions, period. And it was sort of a sad, you know, people people mocked conventions back then. It's not it's not a mockery any longer, certainly. Yeah. There were only like a couple, you know, Fangoria was like really the only one in the late eighties, you know, that that really had those shows. And it was and it was pretty cool then. It's still pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Well, if you were a super hardcore, like Forey Ackerman, like so hardcore old school horror collector and you know, Universal Monsters and stuff, yeah, absolutely. But still such a small little niche thing. It's not niche anymore. There's no it's it's a huge industry. I think that's where I saw you last was Monster Mania, New Jersey. With that, yeah. oh, Cherry Hill and that lovely hotel. <laughs> yeah, Cherry Hill. Yeah, yeah. That was my first show after COVID. That show. wow. Yeah, that's that's a great. That's my favorite. That's still one of my favorite shows. And thank God you have Alex. Like your relationship, you you travel with Alex, and I'm, I'm your whole family essentially. You know, from Child's Play, it's like Scout and I. Like, I, yeah, it's it Scout I and Tyler. Like, it's it's just a it's a it becomes a family affair. Thank God we liked everybody. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that would be a nightmare. Could you imagine? I was. Cu- I'm curious though. Like, did you have you and Alex always been close, or is that something that kind of? Um, formed a little bit more after this reboot. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. Danielle and I weren't really close when we filmed our movies and it happened after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, when I worked with Alex, he was seven or eight. So, yeah. um, and so, no, I didn't stay in touch with him when he was eight because that would be fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Hi, Alex's mom. Can you come out and play? <laughs> so I did. And he lived in Jersey and I would, yeah. I mean, he was a kid. I wouldn't have stayed. Yeah. It would be creepy to stay in touch with Alex then. Yeah. Well, it's the convention world that got me back in touch with him. So in like a 2010 or 2011 or so, I think I did my first show. And it was in that year that I hooked up with Alex again. And we have been like inseparable ever since. I talk to Alex almost every day. Alex I is like my, my brother from another mother. I, I do 
And he's my security blanket. It shows, you know. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. You need each other. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. mine, too. Every time I'm like, oh, thank God, I can't wait to give him a hug. So the first thing I do when I come down is I want to go squeeze him and hug him and have him hold me. And then and maybe sure take an edible. I think he likes that more than you do. So, <laughs> Dude, he was petitioning to get me on your show. He was like, I think I think Andy needs a girlfriend. And I was like, dude, yeah. talk to Don. <laughs> you have the poll, babe. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I can promise you he pitched it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I love it. That would be amazing. 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 Um, and uh, and obviously you've got Brad. I mean, Brad's never there, though. Right. I mean, he's he's just yeah. recording out of his house in yeah. on the East Coast. And yeah. Fiona. Um, amazing. She fucking kills it. Yes, she does. Fiona do you think you guys, Jennifer. Do you think you guys Fiona are going to be back for another one? What's that? Do you think you're going to be back for another season? I don't know. I they're. You know, I haven't heard yet. Um, so I don't know. But the last two seasons, I didn't really show up till the end of the season anyway. Right. So I don't know. I mean, fingers crossed, but I don't have any intel yet. I mean, it's great that this that the, the series will continue to grow your convention longevity mm-hmm. for after, you know, like you've just gained another essentially 10 years yeah. of financial security. If you're just interactive with the fans, if you're cool and you're accessible and you're interactive and and you you show up and you're happy to be there. I mean, that's that's really all that they mm-hmm. desire. Yeah. And that's and that's absolutely how I behave. My my. I'm so grateful for the for the convention circuit just in general because of like we talked about earlier, just keeping me afloat and keeping me fed. Um, you know, my goal at these shows is to have every single person once they've interacted with me to turn around to their friends and go, "That was so fucking awesome!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. That reaction and um and you know yeah I, I I get asked the same question a lot, but every person asking it, it's the first time they've ever asked it. So right. I have I I try to answer it with the same enthusiasm every time I amassed it, you know? Yeah. Cause they're paying for that, ex- that story, right? That experience, those two minutes, that's what they're waiting in line for. So you've got to, you got to give them that. Yeah, absolutely. And I really have, I'm really offended by, there are certain actors, I won't name them, but you know, there's people that get a reputation in that community for not being warm and fuzzy. And yeah. if you don't want to touch people and you don't, you know, you don't want to answer the same question, all day, every day, you don't have a right to be sitting at that table and taking exactly. people's money. That's right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. We know, we know a few of them. Oh yeah. We know a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Stay far and clear. From us. <laughs> and I just wonder how they keep coming back to shows, you know, some really misbehave it, it, and they keep they, coming I, back. It's how they get, keep getting hired on movies. Uh, it's yeah, true. It tell her the story you were saying about, about how things, someone was calling you, asking you. Oh yeah. I get calls all the time, you know, like, how is this actor? How is this actress? And, and I'll tell them straight up. I'll be like, you know, they're not a joy to be around on set. <laughs> uh, but, like, I mean, I just like, you know, if you want to be, you've got to be with someone who, you know, is a joy to be around. And they're like, well, I don't give a fuck. I do. They know their lines. I don't care how they treat me. Do they right. know their lines? Can they deliver? I'm like, geez, that's all that matters anymore. It doesn't I guess. Even matter. I'd rather be surrounded by good people than intoxication, you know, like that negative energy. Well, the work is so much better when you're enjoying who you're with. You know, yeah. you do better work. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't understand that. I've always tried to be a joy to be around. <laughs> I don't know how often I succeed, but I cert- I try most of the time, so... <laughs> People I'm, love you. Yeah, I'm curious because I know you were saying, you know, that the horror uh, conventions have been like sort of your income. But I, I don't I, I'm wondering if this is true. Did you did you also um, write as well? Did you write some episodes for 90210? 
I did. I wrote three. Um, but that was, that was, I was living with Jason Priestley at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched Jason sort of capitalize on every bit of opportunity that came his way on that show, whether it was um, directing, he ended up directing. Mm-hmm. He's now primarily a director. Um, he was a producer on the show, but he'd do clever things like buy walkie talkies and then rent them back to the show. He, he you know, he um, bought like a crane. He bought a crane that they would rent for the show. He, they had, you know, video games and stuff that at the end of every season, they would just rent them from a video game rental thing. And, was, and during their hiatuses, they'd give them back. And they'd pay, and so Jason just bought those things and made the show rent them from him. So you know, every, every, every opportunity he had to make an extra dollar, he did. So and it was really inspirational to watch. So I had access to them. Um, the, and I pitched, my pitch was, uh, I wanted to do, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Gilligan's Island, and there's a really great Gilligan's yes. Island episode where the, the, um, that British, that rock band comes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a uh, like a Beatles type band gets stuck on the island with them, and then the girls start a band called the Honeybees, and the boys start a band called something else. Then of course they end up getting left on the island. Like whenever somebody comes on the island, <laughs> they end up getting left behind. But uh, I wanted to do um, an episode of Nine or Two and where they go on a booze cruise, and uh, Tori uh, Tori's character it's a storm happens, and Tori slips in the deck and bumps her head and has this fever dream that they're all on Gilligan's Island, and then. <laughs> Because they're sort of archetypes that, on Nine or Two and and on um, Gilligan's Island, it, it was really easy to sort of drop those characters into the Gilligan's Island characters. So I pitched that uh-huh. to Aaron Spelling, and they liked it, but they couldn't. But the guy is it Sherwood Sherwood Schwartz or whatever. Yeah, was, yeah. Um, he was. They were going to do a Gilligan's Island feature, which didn't happen. But because they were planning it, they didn't let me do it. Aaron was going to let it do it. We were going to do it. But because we couldn't, he said, oh, yeah, it was a really great idea. Would you want to write just freelance with us and write a couple of episodes? And so I said, yes, and I did. And I might have continued that, but Jason and I broke up uh, in 97. And I had like three episodes left that I was supposed to do and um, write. And it just felt really gross to try to write for them and for him when we were broken up. It just was something that was mm. not comfortable for me. Um, so I withdrew Aaron let me out of my contract with that and I never really pursued writing beyond that your your writing is I'm I'm a little nervous because I just went down a rabbit hole this morning with your bathing in the single girl and I watched the whole thing on Vimeo and I just purchased your book because I was so fucking attracted and overtaken by the video and your writing and your like I'm I you've got a massive fan right here with oh, your writing. You. I think it is so, it's so addictive. <laughs> it well, was very book, powerful. That book is going to be scandalous. I, I mean, to you, you're going to be scandalized. I, I, I can't I wait. Wrote it, <laughs> I wrote that short that you watched, that 10 minute short, uh, Baby and the Single Girl, to re- be read live at uh, um, Upright Citizens Brigade mm. here in town. And I did it. And then someone said, oh, you should have recorded it because then you could prove to your agents that you're funny. And so I, then I did it again somewhere else and recorded it. And then someone saw it. A friend of mine is a DP. And he's like, oh, that's really a funny piece, but it looks like shit. You should really make a short out of it. So that I did. And then I did 100 film festivals with that short. And at some point during the course of that, someone said, you should really, if you have more, if you can come up with more stories, you should really expand that into a novel. So I did. I, so I, I, wrote, I see that it is a series. I see it that. It would be a good series. When you read the book, I just tried to write the funniest book possible. It's a really sort of brave, embarrassing book. It's not sexy at all. It's about, it's really a book about humiliation, uh, sexual and otherwise. Um, 
and trying to find the comedy in the darkest <laughs> in the darkest moments. Um, it's the thing I'm proudest of in my life. Uh, I'm a little bit afraid because cancel culture is becoming what it is. And the yeah. book was written in like 2010 or mm. 20. It was written a long time ago. And there's certain phrases and stuff in it that I might not use now because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, some things don't age well. Uh, but I'm still proud of it. And and the fact is, it's fiction. And people who are and people are flawed. So the book is full of flawed people, and flawed, flawed people use in imperfect language sometimes. Where'd so. you get your inspiration from? Well, life, really. You know, um, it's a book about primarily about dating, um, and I don't date um, ever. I've never been on a proper date in my life. It's what still, I think I think that dating, like trying to go like have a meal to get to know somebody better, I call that interview to a blowjob where how many dinners can you string somebody along for at some point in time you're gonna have to pull the trigger that's right and, and basically people are on this is her book people are on good behavior until they get a blowjob yeah so i'm not interested in that yeah it's true you have to watch this danielle right after you're done what here. if you give a really good blowjob <laughs> i give a pretty good I give a pretty good blowjob. I can but tell. I can, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I that. wish I was a dude. <laughs> <laughs> it deserves that that uh, that side of me. So, but you don't date. Why? Why don't you date? Oh, I closed the store. I cu- fucking closed the store. <laughs> I closed the store eight years ago. So you don't. You don't. You don't even have. Ca- do you have casual sex? Well, I've never had casual sex ever. No. I would. What I would. And the sex that I've had. Typically, I would meet somebody. I have. I, I'm what I saw this term and I really like it. It's called demisexual, D-E-M-I, demisexual. And what it means is I don't find you physically attractive until I like you. Oh, that's so, me. That's like the right way to do it, though, right? So you, yeah. like, you don't you haven't found anybody you liked yet. Of course I have. I like Jason Priestley and I liked a guy before him, too. And I and I like I've liked. Yeah, I have, of course. And I found guys that I like long enough, you know, <laughs> to dabble, you know, and I think <laughs> And a thing that I know isn't going to be long term, um, but I've never had a one night stand. I've slept with people one time. Yeah, but it wasn't a one night stand. It was somebody I knew for a while, and then that happened. Me and- too. That's what I always say. I didn't. It was one time, but I it, a one night stand. But I knew them. It wasn't like some yeah. fucking stranger I met at a pool club. Yeah, right. Because that for me, the, the great terror has always been for me is that you sleep with somebody like that, and then you found out that they voted for Trump, and <laughs> you just can't have that going on. <laughs> No. I mean, all, I just, all I just want to say to you is bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> yeah, it's in her. It's in her. Uh, her short. Yes, dying. those two stories are true stories. Actually, the book Whoa. is is uh, the book is probably thirty percent true, and the rest seventy fiction. Um, lot, most of it inspired by you know obviously real life experiences, um, but the people that are involved have changed their you know changed everything so that if the people involved read it, they wouldn't even recognize themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I needed to have plausible deniability. <laughs> I didn't want to humiliate anybody uh, to their face. Is, are, are you are you referring to men or women? Men. Both men. Ah, I who's who is the best kisser on film for you? How many? How many? Uh, yeah, who's 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 the best kisser? I you know I, this that's a I. I don't really kiss the way I really kiss in real life when I'm kissing on camera. Yeah. I'm, not mouth, I'm not an open mouth kisser on in in work at work. Yeah. Um, so I 
so I would hate for any guy that I've ever kissed to think they know what it's like to kiss me because they don't. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that I know what any of them kiss like either because I never really kissed them. The only person I really kissed on camera was Jason because I was dating him. Right. And when I go back, I do like Jenny and Tori's podcast occasionally and they make me watch the episodes or it's good to watch the episodes again right before. So your information is fresh. Right. Um, and I watch my Jason and me kissing it's so fucking vulgar it's so vulgar to, it's really i'm so grossed out by it one i think it's unnecessary to show that much much um but also jason's like my brother now and so it, that's also creepy be like if i was making out with alex it's like that's just wrong <laughs> so so yeah i don't have an answer for that <laughs> I did assembly line kissing on, on my first episode of Nano Two and I had to have a makeout scene with Jason and a makeout scene with Luke at the same location. So what? literally, I was like, yeah, he's like, get in the car with Jason, make out with him. Cut next, new car, get in the car with Luke, make out with him. Which wasn't a bad night, I have to say. But, uh, <laughs> but I did, they, I, they didn't. I didn't really kiss either one of them that night. So, and is that a conscious decision, or you just don't feel comfortable enough when the cameras are rolling to? It's a conscious decision. I also don't like seeing it when I, I'm not a big fan of uh, sex scenes and graphic se- depictions of sex in in narrative things. Mm. Um, I, I I sound like such a fucking prude too. I'm not a prude, I promise you. But uh, yeah, it's I just I, I'm not comfortable doing it, and I wouldn't like it if my boyfriend was doing it with an actress. Really. You know? So this is really interesting yeah, because hard, huh? my husband is not an actor and he's the first and doesn't understand any part of that being intimate on film. It doesn't make sense to him. Um, and I have only dated actors, unfortunately, before him. So, you know, that fuck, they don't care. I remember my boyfriend at the time when I was working on Scouts film, he showed up to tell the boy that I was having a sex scene with to really give it to me. And he was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is weird. Um, where my husband now, I don't even, t- I, I, can't tell I can't tell him. I don't even, he doesn't know if I'm shooting something and there's a scene where I have to kiss somebody. He has no idea because I just don't want him to know any of that stuff. Um, uh, I f- totally forgot where I was fucking going with this. Oh, you, so you're saying you have a hard time like dating an actor, knowing that he has to hook up with somebody on film, knowing that it's not intimate and there's no I would. connection. I would as well. Really? Yeah. You've never seen any, you never did anyone that you've seen hook up with somebody else on film while you're with them? No, I did musicians. Oh, <laughs> so they were well, just, I just did it for real. <laughs> Jason's character on 90210 had a new girlfriend every fucking episode. Mm. And I, I'm pretty certain Jason was really kissing every one of them. And it was uh, not comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, because women get carried away too. I mean, at the, the time Jason was so famous, um, so fucking famous and ridiculously beautiful to look at, you know, and one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life and really funny and great in every way. I mean, every single girl was angling to do what they thought I pulled off, mm-hmm. you know, which was like go from a guest star to being living with him, you know? Right. Um, How did you so- pull that off? Other than being fucking uh, awesome. I just fucking being badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> That's right, girl. <laughs> <laughs> By That's not a... trying, actually, is the short answer. Oh. I was going to say, who liked who first? Who I think it was mutual. Nice. Because we I worked with them for months before that happened. So um, it, it was, I think it was pretty mutual. That's cute. It's special. Why, what, why, did you, why did it not continue? Why did your relationship end, do you think? I met him when he was 21. So, um, and so I don't think anybody should be with the person they met when they were 21 for their life. No. 
So that's the short answer on that. Is he married now? Oh yeah. He's and his married. wife's one of my best friends. His wife, in fact, they uh they were they have been my like holiday at Christmas and Thanksgiving, and they're my family here. They were until during COVID they moved to Nashville. Mm. But they're my closest friends. They're my my family. That's amazing. Yeah, that is really amazing. I don't think I ever talked to any of my exes. <laughs> And I've got two important exes, and they're both mentioned in the first page of my book. I, I mentioned that I've got two ex-boyfriends that both coincidentally married European women that were ten years younger than them, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, they did. And I'm and I'm very close to both of those boys and their wives and their children. Uh, the other people, nobody else. Those two are the ones that really count. You said, uh, uh, if I can quote you, um, let me find where I wrote it, uh, talking about your um, delightful, delicious, de lovely vegan show you have you said that it was inspired by a degenerate unapologetic carnivore explain that to us um both of both of my so the the, the boyfriend i had before jason his name is jamie um and uh i lived with them both for five years and and during and i was i became vegetarian during my time with jamie jamie eventually joined me in it and then we broke up. I went to live with Jason and I was already vegetarian. Jason eventually joined me on that path too. In both cases, when we broke up, both men became degenerate meat eaters and they both remain unapologetic carnivores. I mean, that's like fetishizing meat and, you know, <laughs> having all of all the accoutrement in the backyard, the smokers and the things, and it's, it's like meat fetishists. So um, I wonder if that's a thing. Do you what? think there? Do you think there's a fet, there's a meat fetish? Do you, I want, I mean, there's so many fucking weird oh, fetishes. I don't know. I mean, that's one I haven't heard of yet, but maybe. I don't mean it in a sexual way. I mean, like you don't see how bacon is fetishized. There's bacon on everything. Bacon on donuts. Bacon yeah. like bacon, 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 bacon. Um, men, men just think makes their dick bigger if they have if they eat meat. It's weird. I don't. Know, I mean that figuratively, not literally. You must. You must uh, if you told them it did, they would all eat it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's a even the fucking even the the hardcore Orthodox Israelis would be run, standing in line light. for that bacon. <laughs> but I, you you I think I had to find this article. I read an article how this happened. How it how me eating meat was somehow related to masculinity. There was a campaign, some advertising campaign, that somehow related meat to masculinity, and it's really stuck because you must. You know, you must see it. You must observe. Yeah, man. I live in. I mean, I live in. I live in Texas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm in Austin, but I still live in Texas. Yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, every basic bro. You know, I don't want to beat up on boys, but that meat thing is weird. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. Um, Let's see. So, okay, so we've got some things in common. Uh, We both were on Charmed. Okay. Uh, let's see what else. Um, wait, you went were to you, were you were you on ER? She was in yeah. two okay. seasons. Yeah. A bunch of people are asking about oh, yeah, ER yeah. stories. She won. You guys won SAG awards for that, right? Do you? Where do you have those? Do you have those? I do. I I have two of them, and um, for ensemble cast. So, but it's just a it's just a, po- a piece of paper. It's not oh. an actual. I know. I always wondered uh, that if everybody got the tro- got yeah. one. So who gets them? At the main cast, I was just a guest star. I did a whole season. I did season two, but I, I was just a guest star. A guest star making top a show, which wow. at the time was thirty one hundred dollars. Yeah. Did a whole season making thirty one hundred dollars an episode on yeah. on ER, which I don't even that think is legal. I think that if you do over a certain amount of episodes, they have to make you a regular a series regular. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I did a CBS show, 21 episodes as a a recurring. I did every single episode. That's what they do. They just do recurring. Then they don't have And then your agent's trying to tell you that that's a good thing. So you can have an out to do other things (laughs) if you want to do film. You're like, bullshit. (laughs) Give me a series. What the hell? And you're also not going to sue Warner Brothers, you know, so... (laughs) <laughs> to, you know, to get your, you know, then great. You got a bigger paycheck now, but you're never going to never going to work again. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We always oh. talk about that. I got her doing a movie called Free Willy. Um, I broke yeah. my foot and uh, was told by my agent to just let it go. Don't 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 pursue anything with them medically. Just let it go because you'll never work again. Yeah. So did you no. get to work with Lori Petty? I didn't have any scenes with her. No. Lori's a favorite of mine. I did, I did my my first one of my first jobs ever was a pilot in like 1988 or 89 that didn't go. But uh, she played a chanteuse, like a bar, like chanteuse lounge, lounge singer, you know. And uh, so I've known Lori from the very beginning of my career. She's fantastic. Tell me about um, I also worked with Vigo uh, on his one of his first movies uh, in Italy. And I have such great stories about him. Tell me about your relationship with Vigo Mortensen. First of all, a raging fucking boner for him. He's yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I did. Um, what did I do? I did a movie called Boiling Point with him. It was a noir thing, um, which I was really happy about because one of the, produ- the director of it was a producer of Stanley Kubrick's earlier movies. And one of my favorite movies of all time is a Stanley Kubrick film called The Killing that this guy had produced. And so I was really excited. And then I, I, did, I had seen Indian Runner, which is Sean Penn's movie mm-hmm. with him. Vigo and anyone that sees that I don't know how you watch that movie and don't walk away with a boner for Vigo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did. I, and so I got the part first though. And so they were having me do uh, chemistry reads with the guy that was going to be the boyfriend. And I did a bunch and none of the guys that I read with got it. Vigo got it without me having been involved in the chemistry read, which was very exciting for me. So I played his girlfriend, but then the way, the way our stuff was mainly scheduled at the end of the schedule. So uh, as the show filming on shooting, it's a, it's a, it's a Dennis Hopper, Wesley Snipes movie. And um, my stuff with Vigo was at the end of the schedule. And naturally, they went over, it went over, went over, and they had to cut things. And none of my stuff had been shot yet. So the easy thing to cut was any of the girlfriend stuff. And my stuff got cut down to basically one quick scene that Vigo fought really hard to undo because he thought it made his character one-dimensional to not have this other side mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And so but he was unsuccessful. So I'm doing ER and they, and v- my agent called and said, Vigo wants you to come in and meet the director of this movie of the week called Vanishing Point. Boiling Point and Vanishing Point are the two Vigo projects. So <laughs> nice. Vigo actually asked for me to play his wife in the remake wow. of Vanishing Point. And, uh, and he's so lovely. And um, But I'm always really intimidated by him, as lovely as he is. Um, he's also was married to, you know, Exine Zervenka from the band X, which is, I'm a huge old school punk rock girl from the early 80s and he's one of those people George Clooney is this way too you could just feel all the star around yeah. them even before it was happening like George on the set before he got in Batman and became what George has become you could feel it um mm. and I always feel very out of place and intimidated by them despite the fact that in both cases they're super lovely George is one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with um He's the kind of guy that comes in the trailer and kisses the, you know, introduces himself to somebody who has one line that day. Yes. And he's a really lovely guy. Do you think that that movie stars like that are are gone? Do you think that 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 more will come or do you think we we our generation have seen the last of the movie star? I think there are movie stars now. I just don't 
I just don't watch the movies that they're in. Do you think they're coming into the makeup trailer and saying hello and giving well, a kiss to the one-liners? I mean, or do you think that the ego and all of the social media gives them a bigger head than, you I know, make so. well, I have to say, no, having no access to any of the people that are at that level right now, I, I can't say with any from experience, but I can say, I think actors are better behaved than most people give them credit for. Mm-hmm. I think actors are nicer people than the, than their reputation in general. Of course, there's a couple of dicks here and there, you know, but I think overall actors are, it's such a humbling thing to do um, for a living. It's such a, it's such a risk to take with your life and um, the risk never goes away. You're unless you're made so much money, you can live off of it forever. If you, which... I guess if you're a real actor versus someone that's, uh, you know, has a YouTube channel and or a, a, a Instagrammer oh. or or whatever that are now getting. I mean, that's like that's what Scout and I are facing. We're getting beat out by, you know, influencers because they have more oh. reach, but they're Correct. not an actor. Yeah. So they don't know how to. They don't they don't have that set etiquette, that old school. Like I know when I work on something where there's old school Hollywood, like Burt Reynolds actors, and then there's yeah. the the people that have done one, you know, indie film, the one indie film actor has a more ego and more requirements than these movie stars that have yeah. been doing it forever. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like old wealth versus new money. You kind right. of don't really you're like flaunting it in a weird way. You don't really know what to do with it. And I think that's kind of what we've been coming across a lot. I, I think that comes from not earning it, you know? Yeah. You, like I, it's, <laughs> do you guys watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes. All right. So this season there were twin twins, twins, sugar and spice mm-hmm. that were competing. And it was, they, they've, they, and they're TikTok, they're TikTok stars. They're huge mm-hmm. TikTok stars, drag, drag, they're both ridiculously beautiful. They both look like little Barbie dolls. They're I so... send you their videos. Oh, you don't, loves. you don't open them. I don't open them. I don't even know how to fucking open TikTok. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, they're ridiculously beautiful in drag and almost, I mean, equally pretty when they're not in drag. Um, but they had never performed live. They only have only done TikTok. And now they're competing on stage with a bunch of drag queens who've been at it forever and been hustling and doing bars and doing live stuff forever. And there was a lot of resentment for them mm-hmm. from the from the, you know, from the veterans, um, they, they they were so cute and they were humble actually. So they won everybody over ultimately, but there was that resentment that you got, you're on this show and you've never done a fucking live show. You've never mm-hmm. performed in front of an audience in your life and you're on RuPaul's Drag Race. How is that even possible? Um, so yeah, I, I can see how influencers would be, uh, come at it with a different attitude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel that it's, way. It's, it's new times. You know I know. Saying? I'm just old. I, I, I just, I know, I know that. But like, you, where was the time like passing your torch? It's like family. It's like you're passing the generation. You're just, you're just passing it on. Even though, because it looks different, I don't feel like we all need to like, you know, gang up on influencers and TikTokers. I mean, that, that whole like generation, it's just, it's I mean, just listen, a new it's, thing, you know? it's an, it's an art that I can't figure out. Totally. I have no idea how they make the videos, how they do it. I could barely figure out how to send you the Zoom link. <laughs> I still can't get your fucking questions off my Instagram. Like I just, it's just not, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like the old person. That's like, I don't, I'm fighting I'm fighting aging. Like, I don't want to remember that, though, when your mom, when you were little and your mom was just like, I don't understand this fucking beeper, this motherfucking (laughs) dial up. (laughs) No, my mom was only 20 years older than me. She she could understand it. That's for sure. I mean, I'm 40 years older than mine, you know. Um, 
Somebody asked me one time if I resented TikTokers that they think they're actors. And, the, and um, my answer was adamantly, I do not. I'm blown away by how talented some of these people are and yeah. how fucking funny they are. Yeah. And I'm glad that they have a platform. I'm glad there's a democratization of access to an audience because the gatekeepers, you know, network executives and th th that type that are mostly lawyers and not creative types that control who gets parts and who gets, you know, who gets. I'm glad that these people are finding a way to get their shit out. I, I don't resent it at all. Um, I can just see how that it could translate that they have huge success in that world and then get on a set and don't yeah. understand decorum. Don't know. Um, and, there, and that there isn't a hierarchy really on right. any set. No. There's no crew is not less than the cast. And, the, and a lot of people don't maybe don't get that. Um, but I haven't had the, any personal experience with anybody on a, on yeah. that. Don't get me with crew. Um, God, that, that needs to change. I, I'm, I, I respect crew so much. The fact they work way harder than any actor has to. Oh ever. yeah. I'm like, where's the fucking trailers for the crew? You know, like where's, we've got to start treating our crew better. <laughs> Crews get, crews get, I, I've, I've never seen a crew get treated badly. Crews, the crew is my security blanket too. And I really, I Man. like season, last two seasons, the seasons of Chucky, first season in particular, when COVID was still as bad as it was, they, they have people sectioned off as groups, like group A, zone yeah. A, yeah. Zone B, to keep, it's to keep everybody from giving each other COVID. But the result is everyone's separated and actors are, or you can't even talk to the crew. And then when the crew's on set with you, they're all in these burkas, you know, yeah. they're all in fucking burkas. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know what gender they are. Like <laughs> you couldn't, you'd never recognize them on the street because you'd never seen their face. Right. Yeah. And so I had like, I was, I was struggling with some dialogue in the scene in the first season and, uh, and, and I was getting flustered, you know, and I, typically I would look around the room for a friendly face, you know, and there weren't any because yeah. everybody's in a mask and right. I don't know any name and i don't i don't know anything about anybody it was a really really isolating and lonely experience man do I you remember that feeling like when you like hit that point on set and you're just like yeah i couldn't only imagine that's tough sometimes i mean yeah do you remember a moment that you had like that i mean it's been a while yeah since i've been on set i feel like where i've had that i mean i'm feeling like maybe there are i mean there's always one paragraph or one chunk of every single script that i get that i know i'm gonna have a problem with and the fuck the problem is that it usually like the last two things that i worked on where i was worried or i think you had this too yeah. where you're like oh good it's the end it's on the it, on the one line it's at the end of the schedule i'll take the next three weeks a little bit at a time and kind of just like run it run it and run it run it, it and then they all of a sudden there's rain and now they're like oh great well you know we'll we can just, just go ahead and grab scene. this scene this yeah. eight page monologue that you have so we're going to shoot that in uh, an hour and a half while we change and you're like dude i yeah. i just start to fucking panic yeah. and then now as, as i've gotten older i need glasses to see so i can't mm -hmm. pull out my fucking sides and read it without having my glasses and i shoot everything in the dark because i'm doing horror and it's i need a flashlight with my glasses to read the sides it's like it's yeah. a complete nightmare yeah it is. or i put them on the floor <laughs> hide them in the book and a prop <laughs> yeah Write them in your journal. And they do that to you. And they, for me, I'm happy it's the end of the schedule because I've had the whole project to make the crew know that I'm a professional and I don't fuck up and yeah. I do know my lines. Yes. And so they catch me in a moment where I don't. They go, they don't think I'm a loser. They go, right. oh, it's just you know, they I have a track record already of success, and so you don't feel you don't get as flustered when you fuck up. Right. Having right. The glasses situation is really a drag because I have to wear contacts on the set and. I just and went I and got fitted for them. I can't. I'm 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 farsighted, so I need them to see. So they true. they did the one contact in the one eye that is for reading, and the other one for distance. 
and I, I literally, I couldn't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> now I just couldn't see anything. This happened like a month ago. I was like, uh, I can't, I can't do the glasses. I can't do the glasses because you can't film with fucking glasses for some reason. Like they haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, so they I have. can't. Oh. I wore glasses all the season two of Chucky. Oh, maybe it's the movies I'm working on. They're like, we well, see our reflection. You can't wear <laughs> yeah. glasses. There's a. Oh, sorry, sorry. There's something they can do to your glasses. Like they had, I had to wear set glasses. I couldn't, I had them get these frames, um, but they, they had their own and my prescription put in them too. So I would have, I could actually Ooh. see. Um, we don't have but, money on the, in the budget yeah, for the movies I that I do say. for that. Are you kidding me? I don't even, I, I, I'm surprised they have a porta potty. Yeah. <laughs> chairs, oh. chairs, 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 well. chairs. There, there's, there's, um, I, I did this pilot in uh, Hawaii last year. Uh, John Wells, uh, creator, and um, I've worked with John before on a, on a movie, and he doesn't like sides at all on set. Like, no one can have sides. Actors can't have sides. He he wants everybody to be as prepared as possible. And And I knew my shit, but just the fact that I couldn't have them made panic. <laughs> I would have shoved them down my pants. Oh, they were hidden. Yeah, they were hidden. They were, <laughs> but I was also in a bathing suit. They were oh, hidden. Shit. <laughs> so you get paper out. It would be soaked, and you'd be in the yeah. middle of the fucking ocean. You're like, I just, I'm, I don't know why I'm forgetting that line, but I'm forgetting, forgetting that line because I can't have my fucking sides on me. Well, we were That's talking so yesterday. Hot blanket in my pocket, just knowing that they're there. Yeah. Because <laughs> John crazy. Wells did ER. He's ER, and mm-hmm. John Wells is also China Beach, which is my favorite job yeah. I ever had. Um. That's that, that 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 sides thing is new information to me. That's yeah. It wasn't like that on the movie that I did for him, but then this the series that I just did. It was that was like one of the rules. Is it because there were there were you said there was a lot of first time like new kid at like new actors. Do you think it was to make sure that they came to work prepared to work? Maybe, but then also the series prior, it was also like that. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I was just wondering, maybe maybe he had. Maybe became a thing, so he was like, "Everybody needs to be prepared." I'm I mean, not listen, hit one of these. That's again. not a bad idea because I feel like going from from film no. to video, people don't don't come prepared. They don't. Yeah. They, you don't. You don't have three takes to oh get something. You have is you know. Oh, let's, let's just keep going. Just keep going with it. Just keep going with it. That never happened. Yeah. When they were paying for film, ever, never. You never were given that. Don't worry. Just take it back whenever you're ready. Just yeah. take a minute. Like no, they'd be like cut. <laughs> Yeah. Learn your lines. Let's go. You know. Yeah, it's different. I just don't think carrying signs around means you're unprepared. It's it's weird. The only other thing I experience I've ever had that's remotely like that. I did an episode of um, what's it fucking called? The show. What the hell was this fucking show called? Um, but anyway, when I got the job, they were like, "You have to have your dialogue memorized to." A perfection don't replace a single syllable with anything that's similar in meaning like it has to be lit verbatim uh they warned you like when you got the audition that it should be verbatim and then you got more warnings once i got the job that it had to be verbatim and they weren't fucking around like you if you just stumbled a little it would, nope nope start over again and so that was intimidating. I feel like I have I've had the same conversation on a that, show. That's TV though, right? Like TV, yeah. like, movies is freedom. But every time, I, even if it's a guest star or, oh. or a recur, like that's why I mean I, I praise you for ER because that's my worst fear is to hit on a doctor show and if I don't say it and or you know say yeah. the exact oh. words, the writers are right there behind you, you know, fixing it. 
I couldn't do a procedural show. No. Not smart enough. <laughs> the, and the hospital, all that hospital jargon, all that. Mm. No. What's the show called? Hold on, I'll find it. I'll tell you this ER story while you're looking. Um, so I did two oh, episodes. Okay. Cold case, yes. You know what I was cold on? Cold case. Okay. I did cold case. I did cold case too. I love it. <laughs> We've all. And they were the ones that were like word Nazis. They were yeah. the ones. Yeah. Because yeah. I because when you said that, I was like, I've had the same conversation on set, and I don't know what it was, but I feel like in the audition, so that's what it was. It was cold it was case. Cold case. Yeah. Yeah. I love that show though. I, I had that too, but Emilio Estevez directed mine, directed oh. my episode. Dude, I remember when I walked into the audition, I was like. Oh my fucking yeah. god! <laughs> I was like, th- I mean, those are all my favorite. Well, movies, sure, you know, but he he was yeah he he was like, just don't try not to fucking let them get to you. <laughs> so I was doing I was I was doing the scene where um I I was I was uh, had bulimia, and I was you know had vomit all over oh, me, and I was how laying old were you? um twenty twenty maybe oh, okay. something like that, um and. Uh, <laughs> I was the second episode I was doing, I was laying on the gurney in the hallway, like waiting for them to yell, you know, rolling those extras around and whoever's pushing me into the room. And, uh, and one, one, one guy says, Hey, so what, so what's your story? Like, what's your character? What are you, what are you in the hospital for? And I strapped down. I was like, Oh, I, I, I have bulimia. I'm going into like therapy. Like that's my character. And he goes, Oh, cool, cool. And he turns to the other guy and he goes, she doesn't look like she's got bulimia. Oh my God. Like, oh, if I could fucking get out of this and then they're like rolling and I was like oh my god oh my god if I didn't already feel like connected to the character Ah! and you know every and right around that age is like 20 like Nicole Richie like all these girls came out that were waifs and it like that was the thing I didn't work because I was too fat or I remember like oh I didn't get that job because I didn't look like a drug addict just like really dumb dumb or not fuckable enough looking like just dumb bullshit stuff that that's fine I wouldn't need to do those those shows anyway um but that's my ER story but that's a I don't know how you did that show for two years that's 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 a lot of fucking hard work one year one season yeah oh my god it was hard Gives me anxiety. Lawyer, but cop, doctor. You do all of those, though. You're so good at that stuff. Yeah. Wow. You are. That. You, you are. You are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I have some questions for you because I know our time is running out, so I want to make sure I get some yeah. some things in here. Um, hold on. Do you want to ask one of us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, you know, we have fans write in and ask us, like, relationship advice questions. Um, the thing oh, is, we, want, we wanted to do a horror podcast, but we didn't want to just talk about horror movies all the time. Yeah. Um, and we were tired of answering the same questions that uh, that everybody would ask us a million times. I'm sure you totally get it. Um, so I think we just wanted to connect with fans and wanted them to know who we really are and that we're just like them and accessible. It's kind of like us weekly when they had the like stars. They're just like us. Like I, that would be my go-to section because I wanted to see someone pumping gas. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see them look like shit coming out of the grocery store with tampons. That's what I wanted. So we created the show. Um, and you know, you had, you had your podcast with Alex too, right? Like, I mean, I was like, why did you guys not continue your podcast stuff? And he's like, oh, it's too fucking hard. It's too fucking hard. It's too much work. It's too much work. So Scout and I don't do a lot of work on our show. We just like to talk to people, (laughs) which works sometimes. I can tell. (laughs) Sometimes doesn't work. Um, uh, Because, you know, we can sit and talk to you about Chucky all day, but I'd rather leave that for the fans to ask those questions. So we get like sex questions. Um, So here's one that I thought might be kind of interesting for for you to answer. Um, So this person says, anonymous, I've been married to my best friend for nine years. We have our ups and downs, but we're generally happy. When Fifty Shades of Grey came out, I told him that I was interested in exploring that 
seen. He was thrilled because he's always been in the lifestyle, but was afraid to scare me away. Fast forward four years. I no longer wish to be part of it. It's not for me. I agreed to have a live in submissive with the understanding that she leaves if I say so. But he's now calling me selfish for suggesting that it only be the two of us. He has no intention of ever changing it. What should I do? Get the fuck out. Yeah. Get the fuck out. And so I can't believe I I, I feel terrible. I feel like she got trapped. That was a yeah. trick. Um, and if he, I mean, he, he's not honoring the deal, first of all. Um, so what, you meant to keep with this third person that you're not comfortable with? I mean, I would get the fuck out. I mean, probably obviously not as easy to do as I just said it. I don't need to be cavalier, but getting the fuck out is the right answer so much of the time. I mean, I think, I think people, women in particular stay in things way longer than they need to. Uh, I think it's a chronic problem for women, maybe men too, but I know for sure it is with women. Uh, I know getting out isn't easy. It's often monetarily is not possible. Um, there's children occasionally, you know, things that make it hard, but that just sounds like get out to me. If he's not, if you want the girl gone and she, he won't get her gone. You go. I don't know how you can be happy then. Wish them, wish them well. What were we talking about yesterday? Yeah. We were talking, we asked the question about, uh, I forget what it was. Which one? I don't know. I'm brain farting right now. It was one that just reminded me, but I, I don't know. Um, Okay, here's one. Here's one that you probably get uh, or you have seen before. Um, as someone who has an eight, this person has an 80s, 90s horror theme on her legs tattoo. I was curious how we cope or think you will cope with someone having a tattoo of you on their body. This person's a female wrestling fan, so she's well aware of how odd the fat, smelly guys can be. Do you take it as a compliment or is it creepy? This chick's tattoos are just villains, so no portraits for the most part, unless you count Angela from Sleepaway Camp. That's funny. She's got she's got her on there. But I'm curious if you've ever encountered a fan that has your face or body uh, face on their body and how you feel about it. I have never. <gasps> what? I have never. No, I have never. But uh, I mean, I've seen 80 million Chucky tattoos <laughs> yes. um, and mostly they're really great. Um I'm happy somebody has Felissa on them. That's hilarious. <laughs> I know. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Huge Felissa fan. Um, no, I never have. Uh, if I, if I, or maybe once I, I would, I think it's flattering. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be, there's no negative response to that. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Uh-huh. I mean, I see, very, I, I see very little, you know, Kyle from child, my child's play character's name is Kyle. Mm-hmm. I, I see very little Kyle cosplay. There was some at, um, in Jersey at, Jersey Horicon, my friend Caitlin came as Kyle. And I've seen it like maybe two or three other times, but it's very rare. Hmm. Interesting. And I think it's weird. You could do Kyle and Emily Valentine. Their their fashion sense yeah. overlaps enormously. So and that black leather hat yeah. is both of them. So you could do a, a, you know, a, a, a two for one um Christina Lee uh play, but very rarely. Did anyone ever try to change you yeah. throughout your career and make you something that you weren't to work more? No. Um, it seemed like they no. embraced it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, in fact, the two biggest jobs I've gotten in my life were 90210 and ER. 90210, the character was described, the breakdown said, basically Julia Roberts. Drop dead, gorgeous, cascading red hair plays guitar, rides a motorcycle, can sing. I had short white hair with black roots, can't sing, can't ride a motorcycle, can't play guitar. Went in there, um, like myself, was what am I going to do? I can't turn into Julia Roberts. So, And they changed the character to be me. And oh, they got cool. And, that ha- and with ER, um, 
the the prototype or the 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 breakdown was um Helen Hunt is Helen Hunt from Mad About You? Yeah. Um that like sort of preppy huh. preppy looking girl was what they had in mind. I didn't see the breakdown. I got the appointment last minute um like on a Tuesday at 11 in the morning and I went in with jack boots on and red lipstick and you know just myself and i went back for a, a call back that same night um and i was on the er set the next morning at 7 a.m and they wow. changed wow. the you just have a and captivating it, personality is what it is i don't think it's my personality <laughs> I, I do man i really do i think it comes across i mean i i, I like i know it's I, true it you you really get like is. you get like sucked into you yeah it really is you really do well, th- I thank you. I think, but I th- th- I tell you what, that's I really miss in room auditions. I I have never booked a job from a self tape. Neither I've literally I. never, and I don't know that I ever will, which is scary as fuck. And it's for me, like in, in those cases, I think whatever 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 charisma I have is sort of whatever it is. It needs to be in a room. It can't mm-hmm. be. I, I think whatever, if I have any appeal, the appeal I have is that it's not generic and it's not sanitized and self-tapes so are, they just suck the yeah. fucking life out of everything. Yeah. I just don't know how to do it. And, and, and like, I, I got a job on a show called The Strip um, and I went in and I auditioned for it. And it was back when, back in the day when anyone who wanted to have a decision and make and getting wh- whether you got the job or not had to literally be in the room. They weren't even recording it for other people to see later. Uh, it was just if you want an opinion on who gets this part, you had to be in the fucking room. Yeah. So that meant there was not that many people in the room for the most part because people were working, you know, and um, I've always been a controversial choice. And so the more people that get a say in choosing, the less likely I am to get the job because um, somebody will always go, eh, no. And if, the fewer people get the opportunity to do that, the more likely I am to get the job. So I read for this thing and there's like four guys in there. Producer, the director used to be in the room. TV directors used to have a say in who mm-hmm. got the job. Any say anymore? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I do the audition, and they're like, "Okay, thanks." And one of the guys is like, literally falling asleep. And I'm like, "Dude, I hope it wasn't that bad because that's that's quite a reaction." Like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious! Do it again with that attitude." And I did, and they gave me the job. But I if that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't, you know. There's, and there's no redirection either. They can't go, oh, that was good, but then do it this time. Do it either more sad or angry or whatever, slower, faster. You don't get that redirection opportunity anymore either. And so um, I'm sad about in-rooms, even though in-room auditions make me nervous to the point that I have diarrhea. I'm so terrified. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <You're> really <laughs> petrified auditioner. Um, I'm better in a room. I think that energy yeah. also works for me that yeah. terror yeah works. all you need is is one good reaction and uh, when you start to open your mouth and the rest of it is just going to be cake mm-hmm. for me and anyway how you can be have a fuck ton of dialogue whatever and you're but you're also clocking everybody in the room what yep. you hear it and where it came from and you're and you're still able to act while you're re- hearing it it's so helpful to have that mm-hmm. feedback in the yeah. room I only when I would get self tape auditions when I when I would back in L.A., um, I actually would always go to a place to get be put on tape like those self tape centers because yeah. I just I, I just need to be in a room. I need to have sit out inside of outside of the place in my car with my sides, work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, come in ready to do it, be focused, go in, nail it and be like throw it in the garbage on the way out and be done. But I have exactly. to go into a room to do that. 
Otherwise, yeah. I, I otherwise I'll scouse read with me what one time here or whatever. I, I do want to do it over and over and over, and I stop in the middle. I'm sorry. I got, let me just do it again. So okay, wait. And my husband reads with me, and he's not an actor, and it's fucking awful. And the more <laughs> I'm like, I'm never gonna get the job. You, I, I'm, I spend more time telling him to pick up the pace. Just say the words. Don't try to like act it or think it or or uh, you're killing me. I'm never gonna work. So I but I don't know where to fucking find those places here. <laughs> but I do I have to go into the room I can't do it Even scouts like Just call me Like I'll do it yeah, with you On FaceTime I just can't I'm still gonna And I don't I don't watch it after Before I send it in I even said to you I'm like just pick one Just pick one Because yeah, I can't I picked your audition I can't do it I have the great fortune I, I have a In my house is an a, a apartment Beneath it And two actors live in it uh, They're great oh. for their family You know But I've got two actors Down there One of them was just In Halloween Ends um, nice. His name oh. is Jesse, Jesse Boyd And he does my self tapes with me and he's been an invaluable resource because one, he's an actor and he also gives me really great direct. He's, he auditions all the time, like fucking five times a week. I audition once every three months. Yeah. So he's really, his wheels are very greased and he's, and he's very good at finding ways around things when you're stuck in a box, you know, you can't move in these self tapes where they frame you from here to here. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's so static um he finds ways for me to make that work and things to do business to do that keeps it from just being like you're a statue saying words right you know? right do you do yourself right. tape sitting up or standing down uh, sitting up <laughs> I, do you do them lying down on the bed passed out <laughs> no i do them standing at that counter you do oh you know <gasps> i do them here like this is that I'm facing windows, there's natural light natural there. Lights, I have a blue screen that I put behind me. You know what's interesting is that my problem is I always needed to sit down in the room. Me too. Anytime I had to stand, I would get very, very, very nervous. Same. So, or I'd be leaning forward. I'd be yeah. leaning. <laughs> it's weird. And standing up against a wall in my room, I, I, it doesn't feel right. And I notice when I go to convent, when I'm at conventions, when I'm, when I'm don't have my person there, meaning like my friend, you know, scout's right. not there, someone I know is not there, and it's I, I feel uncomfortable or I'm having a bad day or whatever. I always take pictures. If you go look, I don't know if you ever noticed this. I'm always holding onto the table. I always yeah, have my arm around them and I'm always touching the table because I need to be anchored. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm that's, a chair that's the main thing is you guys got to like find your anchor standing. I had to, I had to work at that because there's a lot of these scenes when you go into this audition where you need to stand, <laughs> you yeah. can't sit. You know, a lot of times I'd be in the chair and I'd be like this, <laughs> like trying to prove my toughness. I'm like, just stand just up stand and be tough in your, in your own body. But that was really hard. I I would always ask for a chair, always, 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 yeah. even if it was inappropriate. And they'd be, they'd be confused why I want to sit. Yeah. But all of a sudden, my arms, I don't know how, I'm holding the side <laughs> feels weird, and it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Did you go into auditions off book? Because this is apparently a thing now that you have to be off book. I was off book, but I always, you never admit that you are. So what you do, my, my theory was, you have the, first of all, you need the pages just in case you fuck up and you get flustered and you need somewhere to look and get, yep. pick the word pick up again. And I always write the keywords in giant markers. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, but the, the theory that I was presented with a long time ago that I liked was, if you go in off book and don't have your pages, they think you're doing the best you can possibly do. Like that, that's fucking on the day level performance. Right. If you're still like this, they think that you're maybe can do better when you get the job because you're still a little cold. Right. Yeah. And, so and it's true because you can do better. Yeah, of course. You're never going to do the, your best work in an audition. 
ever. Yeah. Um, do we have fan? Do we have quite, just a few quick rapid oh, fire yeah. ones? Yeah. Well, we, we asked it. a couple while we were while we were going in. Um, a lot of people wanted to ask, what was your favorite nine hundred two one zero or Chucky? If you had to choose nine hundred two one zero or oh. Chucky, oh, between them, that's yeah. such a fucking hard choice because yeah. in both cases, I, they both both jobs came back around thirty years later, which is unheard of to play a character at seventeen and then play her at fifty in two different projects is ridiculous. In both cases, I got family out of it. I got Jason and his family, and I got Alex, and I got more than just Alex, but the, specifically those are the, my key people. Um, Really, really, really hard to say. Um, it's such, I, I guess, Chucky, because it's, mm. it's, I have more family than just uh, Alex there. And uh, it's gifted me the convention world too. And it's still going. So but that's a really, it's a really tight race between those two projects. Yeah. And a lot of people wanted to like ask if you had any like juicy behind the scenes stories from Chucky. Literally, no, I don't. And <laughs> nothing juicy happens. And if anything juicy happened, I wouldn't be able to tell it. But nothing juicy. <laughs> juicy things don't happen. I, I always watch you know, interviews when you get interviewed by publications and stuff where it's less casual than this. And they'll tell me a funny story about George Clooney. Tell me a funny story. Tell me. I don't have any fucking funny stories. I really don't. Yeah. I have a couple of scandalous ones that I, but I can't, I can't tell them, you know, not about George, but uh, in general for my career, I, I, I'm not going to shit talk an actor. So, right. Yeah. How many Chuckies were there on, on yours? Because I mean, the, I, I wonder if there was less Chuckies on the OG than the series. Cause Alex was saying how many? Oh, oh, I don't know. There? Like the actually the dolls, the and dolls, some yeah. crazy amount. Yeah. We, yeah, we had to buy them from trick or treat studios. Actually we bought <laughs> hundred trick or treat Chucky. Shut because up. The, yeah, no, really. In the, the end of season one, there was an army of Chuckies. And it's just so much more economical to buy a trick or treat Chucky um, than to have the, the movie have to make the far more expensive versions of Chucky. That's Chucky. amazing. Whoa. Trick or Treat that's Studios how... was like, fuck yes, everyone's going to buy them now. Now there isn't like, oh, is that the real one? So it's the one that's in the movie? Yeah, they're it all is. in the movie. That's, that's how legit they are. So, wow. Yeah, they're great. I mean, it's a little creepy seeing people. I mean, maybe I'll offend. Hopefully, I'm not offending anybody, but I am a little creeped out seeing fans hold Chucky like it's their child. Like, oh, Chucky wants to take a picture with you. Will you take a picture with Chucky? Like that happens, and it's and it's like, of course, sure, I'll take a picture with Chucky. But it's like then they put it back in the baby carrier and walk oh, off. Yeah, that's like weird. that's a little, it's a little, weird. It's a little interesting. Oh, wow. clearly, I see that a great deal, and. Uh... <laughs> freaked out by it at all the thing that freaks me out is how sort of out of touch i am with the fact that chucky is chucky's like marilyn monroe level fame like chucky's a very famous movie star yeah mm-hmm. and everybody knows who chucky is even if you've never seen a chucky movie everybody knows who chucky is yeah. and to be part of the, something that's that big is something is so not part of my where i live in my head you know it's it's surreal when i sometimes rarely actually connect to how big that franchise is and that it's so big a part of my life um it get i get like the butterflies i got when you mentioned like if i didn't have a convention world i don't know what how i would live mm-hmm. like that sick to my stomach sort of the immensity of the chucky franchise it's but amazing. i take it for granted almost i mean i don't take it for granted but i, I take it for granted the way somebody like the way George Clooney's mother takes George Clooney for granted. Like, right. you know, he's just my baby. It's just my George, you know? That's it, and right? That's how Chucky is for me. And 
it's weird. Well, we love you. Yeah, we we love we love Chucky, and we love that you're a part of our world because you're a badass, yeah. and we're happy to we're happy to be part of your clique. Mm-hmm. Back at you. Happy Thank to be you. here finally too. What's your um? What's your next? Uh, what's your next show you've got booked? Back, nothing. I told. Oh, convention. Yeah, convention. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything until July. I'm. I think I'm doing the two Crypticons. I'm doing Crypticon in Denver in July, and Crypticon mm-hmm. in Kansas City in August. I have nothing in April and May, which is freaking me out. Um, but I need something. <laughs> if you're listening and you run a good show, yeah. Christine yeah. needs something for the next two months. Bring yeah, I her think in. Alex has got a lot of a lot of openings too. Alex did like six appearances in March. Alex had the biggest March of all. Wow! Time. Wow! Yeah, ran Dude, himself ragged. I decided. Oh yeah, I'm sure, but he loves every moment of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's he's. He's a well-behaved kid at those shows. He, does, he takes care of people really well. Yes, yeah. he does. He's given. Oh, I was going to say he's he's given my husband weed numerous times when we've when he's yeah. needed it to not travel with it. We're like, yes, we're in Florida. We got Alex. <laughs> we don't need to sneak it on the plane. Alex did a show in Los Angeles this, in March and was given some. I've got a giant stash of weed now because Alex couldn't take it home. <laughs> And I don't get along. I don't get along with weed. So she doesn't either. Mm-mm. I don't smoke it. I can't smoke it. I just like to eat it. But she can't. I've been trying to get. Oh, we're doing that tonight, though. No, what? Aren't we getting we stoned didn't say tonight? Weed. Oh, <laughs> all, right, all right. I said you guys have some cocktail. I'll have a cocktail. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Yes. <laughs> it's safe. Unless some like demon, like demons will start coming at me. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Mush- she does fucking mushrooms. It's just because I've got a lot. I've got a lot in there, man. I've got a lot in there that doesn't want to be open. <laughs> And then it opens. Yeah, I get super dark. I get dark too. Oh, but I'm here. I'll take care of you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to you after this because I, I have an idea that I want to swing by you. But um, oh god, that's it. You're on her radar now. It's gonna bug you. Some magic. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for being on the show. We're we're so stoked to have you. Where can we find your book, by the way? Tell Uh, me your website. Amazon. Just on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. But if you go to bathingbook.com, it's yeah. sort of a one-stop shop. You, if, on bathingbook.com, there's a film tab. You can watch the short, and it works really well as a trailer for the book. But the book is only on Amazon. And it is available on paperback. And sometimes the way that the fucking Amazon page loads, it's weird. Like It looks like you can only buy it in hardcover or used. And you have to look. In small print, it goes all formats. And sometimes you have to click through to find mm. where the paperback is available. But it is. And it's a print on demand. So they Have just you leave. done an audio book yeah, of it? Yeah, I, th- I feel like you should. Yeah, you should. 100%. No, in this period, I, I won't. Um, one, um, it, it's embarrassing. I, I, there's such scandalous shit in that book. I'm telling you, it's difficult to read it out loud. I, I, I get embarrassed for myself reading it out loud. Mm. Also, there's characters in there that you that have different voices like there's a character who you know is like talks like street like a white kid talking like he's talking street mm-hmm. and so what do i do there do i do a different voice i don't want to say you know right the hizzy and stuff um <laughs> so i during covid i thought i'll read a, a chapter a day and put it up on my channel and then i'll have i've got Alex has a recording studio. My parents own a recording studio. I could certainly get it done, but I just can't read that book out loud. Somebody else would have to do it for me. I can't. Oh, well, maybe we could do it for <laughs> you. I loved you it, man. You might wait till you read it and decide whether you think you can say okay. that shit out loud. I'll do it. I, I ordered it. You got to order yours. It's okay. great. I'll do it. It's on, I'm on it. Christine, thank you so much thank for coming on our show and for getting up. We adore you and we can't wait to see you at the next convention. Mm-hmm.
Bye. All right, guys. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Bye.